Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Able, and my calling is to help you thrive on camera and in life, tap into your superpowers, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, being yourself on camera, which is an actionable riff on authenticity. Authenticity, as is often mentioned on the podcast, means to be real, actual, true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. So how do you translate that on camera? Here to discuss being your awesome self on camera is Henna Doba, who is an anchor for Cheddar News and the host of Cheddar News Rap, Trending, and Life on the Bright Side. Prior to joining Cheddar, Henna was a national correspondent for CBS News, where she anchored the national desk with Henna Doba. Hannah, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you, Barbara. This is fantastic. <laughs> so um, I'm just, it's, you know, calling uh, the official meeting of the Hennadoba Fan Club. To oh, her. thank you. You've always been so kind and welcoming to me. I just, and I, I just absolutely adore you. We all do. So. Oh, well, you're very sweet, but I mean, the energy you bring to everything, which is just a perfect segue into this episode, because I often say when people are new to this, the sure. TV is nothing like it is on TV, right? So as you're okay. learning how to be on TV and you quickly discover, oh, wow, that's not like how it looks on television at all. And the, the irony or the cognitive dissonance or whatever you want to call it, that being on camera requires us to be both natural and artificial at the same time. So true. What a great way to explain it. That's so true. So I'm curious for you because you are very natural on camera. I think that's one of your hallmarks in whatever you're doing. So I was curious, you know, when was the first time you saw yourself on camera and thought, wow, that's really me? It took years, honestly. I mean, not to age myself, but one of my first stories was September 11th. And to be mm. honest, I was hired as a producer at that specific station in Watertown, New York. I just happened to be visiting my family in New York City. And September 11th happened and to show how old I am, um, we didn't have phones. So I picked up a camcorder and just went into the city or tried to go into the city and started interviewing people. And I, of course, you know, this Watertown, New York is eight hours away. So I sent them the video and that's when they said, you know what, I, we, you need to be on camera. At the time though, it was a lot of factors that went into that along with, I didn't, no one looked like me on TV. There were just, I can't think of any Pakistani, Indian, Bengali, like there was just no one like that. So I think the news director at the time realized that, especially when there was so much ignorance and hate around cultures, the Muslim culture, Islamic culture in specific, and of course, fear, understandably. So I think the news director is like, this might be a really good chance or a good way to maybe introduce someone who looks different. And I'm so grateful for that. And that's when I first started seeing myself on TV. But you know this about me. I'm a fast talker. You know, there's certain things I had to learn. And I'm also a I'm a Queens girl. So that Queens accent used to come out. So I did hire a voice coach. I did certain things early on my in my career to sound more like a news anchor. Barbara, you know this better than I do. Nowadays, viewers don't want that fake anchor voice. So when I got to chatter, they were like, tone it down. Like, we don't need that. Hello, I'm Hannah Doba. Thank you for joining us. You know, and I have to then train myself to talk like a normal person. Speed is still an issue. Even 20 years in the business, I have to remind myself. Sometimes I have a note, slow down take a breath because I'm just so excitable. I have so much energy. And I think that's, oh my God, that makes me so much, that makes me feel so much better. I have those two 
So, so anyone who I, I'll cut a video of this, but this is lives on my computer is a post-it that says slow down, by the and way, for the fast talkers club. And I show this to people all the time, the post-it sitting next to it says complete, complete your thoughts. Your th I need to add that too. Cause I'm like, what was I talking about? <laughs> right. Cause your brain's going so fast. Right. And they're, they're not catching up. And so you're on to your next thought or topic and you haven't exactly. completed the last one. Wow. Okay. You just said so much. It's great. I, I can already tell this is a master class. <laughs> so I want to go back to everything. So, okay. Step one. Did you not consider being an on-camera person because there was no representation? I never even thought about it. And, you know, looking at me, I'm not your typical Bollywood beauty either. You know, I mean, there's, I'm darker, you know, I don't have that European face or nose. So no, it's just never, it's not something I thought about. And to be honest, when I was first, when they started putting me on air in Watertown, I wasn't received well by the viewers. Now was I the only brown person on TV? I was the only minority in that entire market out of all the stations. There was no one of color, no one. So how did you handle was, that? Wait, let's go back. This is really, really important in the mindset thing. You know, you remember how you felt and then how you worked through it? I did. So you know how they say in New York, you live in a bubble. And I kind of, and I grew up in Queens, which as you know, is the most diverse place in the world, they say. So not that I, you know, I knew racism was out there. I just never, I don't think experienced it at that level, especially after 9-11, my news director started getting emails. Why is a terrorist telling us the news? Pull her off the air. Um, there were some derogatory terms. I remember one time yelled at me while I was doing one of my first live shots. I was called a camel jockey with somebody <gasps> driving by. And I, I, I'd never heard that phrase before. I didn't know what it meant, to be honest. I'm like, what's a camel jockey? And then, and then obviously I, I learned that, unfortunately, the, the meaning of it. You know, with every hater there is out there, I think there's always a team of people or friends or coworkers that are good and kind of help you through that. And the news director, I was hired as a producer. He could have easily pulled me off there, but like, listen, we hired you as a producer. Let's just stick with that. And he fought for me. And this is a tiny little market, market 178. So you know how little this market is. Just to give viewers an idea, you know, one, you know, New York's number one, LA's number two, it goes by population. So Watertown is very small. And it was also a military town. And a lot of the soldiers were being deployed at the time. So there was a lot of fear and anger as well because these soldiers were going away, being deployed for a year, a year and a half. I was covering those stories. So I also approached it with more empathy because I knew living in a military town, how, what all of us were going through. So there was also so much fear about, I mean, they've never seen anyone like me. They don't know what I'm about. So I think I, I approached it that way too, because I was seeing so many of our soldiers dying and talking to their family members. So I approached it from that angle where, you know what, they just don't know better. Wow. Your maturity and sense of self is, is really inspired. No, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I also want to take note then because you also have dual degrees in English and psychology. And I'm just, just curious, is the background in psychology something that was helpful here? Because I was curious, honestly, with the psychology background, how it helps, how you approach a story, um, how you might interview someone, just things that, that are integrated into your toolkit that other people don't have. You know, I never thought of it that way. Being Pakistani, my parents just told me I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> and that's why I chose psychology. But I always loved English. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with English? But I started writing for the school paper. And that's when I'm like, you know what? I'm I don't care what my parents, I'm declaring a double major. And that's how it happened. Um, and I liked English a lot more than psychology. I, I wonder if that training did help. I, I don't know. I never even thought of it that way, honestly, Barbara. Now, I want to go back to 
you know, all the fun stuff about fast talking aside, but the really interesting thing about how to lose an accent, one, just your awareness about that. Did, did your very, very forward thinking and supportive news director say, Hey, I see a lot of potential with you, but you need to get some training. Um, I, you know, I did it on, on my own. Cause I just, you know, I'm like, I think I want to continue doing this. And I was very insecure about being on air. Cause I already knew I wasn't going to be the prettiest or the smartest. And, you know, there were so many people coming from journalism programs from amazing schools like Syracuse or Columbia or NYU. So that was my insecurity. So mm -hmm. to be honest, no one told me to do it. I just wanted to keep up with these amazing coworkers that I was with. And I wanted to make sure I could be at their level, have the same storytelling techniques that they did. And then I moved, my next job was in Savannah, Georgia. And that's when they really said, oh, you really sound like a Yankee, huh? Like, and then I, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, I want to be able to fit in anywhere I go, no matter what market I end up in. I want to kind of have a way of speaking that relates with everyone. I don't want a viewer to be like, oh, she's obviously from New York or she's obviously from Queens. I kind of wanted to fit in everywhere. Okay. One of my favorite words here, adaptability. Yeah. And really crucial to success in this industry. Because, I mean, you're moving around all the time. And, you know, you're young. You're 20, 21, 22. You're not married. You're literally, I was moving around by myself, state to state, trying to figure it out. And Georgia, well, Watertown, I'd never left New York City ever. I mean, aside from trips, vacations, I never lived outside of New York City. And then I lived in Savannah, Georgia, which, by the way, was a beautiful city and still one of my favorite markets. But I just wanted to be more relatable to viewers no matter where I went. Do you remember anything of that vocal training? Because these are just sort of fun tips about like, you know, things, even exercises you did, like this is how you lose an accent. This is how you get an accent. A lot of, honestly, a lot of breathing exercises, you know, that like talk deeper, you know, from your diaphragm. I just, it's 20 years ago. It was right after the nine, you know, right after 9-11 and I covered 9-11. But from what I remember was a lot of breathing. I, she used to give me sentences to read but I don't remember I don't remember <laughs> what they are but it would be fun I should look it up it would be fun to see what they were I also want to take a mention this is me editorializing the notion on traditional quote-unquote news voice mm -hmm. because it still exists in many many markets absolutely but I always encourage people you know don't do it if you can avoid it or if you learn it it's like learning another language so that you're multilingual because there's no news voice at the national level. No. And, and I learned that at the national level. In fact, I, when mm. I started working at CBS, uh, a woman there, a producer, she was amazing. Jackie Bartham was her name. She actually started working with me for my voice. And she said, I just want you to sound a little bit more natural, a little less high pitched. Cause you know, when you, sometimes when you say a sentence, I'm looking at a prompter right now, welcome back to closing bell on cheddar news. What I used to fall in, I think a lot of newbies do welcome back to closing bell on cheddar news. You know? Oh, so you're really speaking from high up in your chest. Right. And I think those, and even at, when I got to the national level, this kind producer worked with me every day before I tracked a package that would go out across the country to all CBS stations across the country to make sure, again, no matter where it was, whether it was New York, whether it was Florida, Utah, that I could relate to these viewers. And I want them to focus on the story, not what I sound like. That's an interesting thing because I totally hear where you're coming from. And yet the, you know, the timbre, the, the quality of your voice is something that attracts me to listen to the story. Thank you. Right. Have, and yeah, it's really, really important because we remember that and how you make us feel more than we actually remember the information. Absolutely. Right. And I have to be, I have to be honest at Cheddar, 
I have to then tone down the anchor voice a bit more. So I think it's adaptability. I mean, that's such a good word because no matter where you go, and as you know, this business is forever evolving. So who know, you know, and Cheddar is as you is a millennial Gen Zer network. And from all the research we have, millennials don't like that anchor voice. They just don't. They just tune out. They don't want to listen to it. So now I've learned to actually talk like a natural person, a real person. <laughs> and Cheddar's brought that. And, and I'm I Cheddar is the company or the station that actually brought my personality out a bit more because I was always a breaking news correspondent. So at Cheddar, I was actually terrified when they're like, do fun, you know, f- fun food segments or, you know, do cornhole games. And I was like, this is not what I'm good at. I hate it. But I'm so glad I have this opportunity as well, because then it makes you more of an all around journalist. You just like went straight to a bunch of my other questions. So thank you. I need to slow down. See, no, slow not down. at all. You're completely driving the conversation in the best way. And I also actually want to point out to you, in addition to adaptability, another important thing is, you know, being coachable, directable, and the fact that um, you take your ego out of it. You have to. You have to. Really important. And honestly, it only makes you better. I mean, if I walked into CBS Network, like I don't need these voice lessons. I'm at CBS, thanks. Or if I came to Cheddar, I worked at CBS. I don't need to do this. Like that's just, it's just dumb. I mean, I mean, there. How many barriers are you putting in your own way to succeed? Hannah just said it, people. <laughs> that's all you need to know, and yet, <laughs> happens every day. All that we see it every day with some people who are fresh out of college with some 20, 30 year veterans who we consider the best of the best. And then you, you know, notice little things. And you know what this stuff, no matter what business you're in, always catches up with you. Eventually, people don't want to work with you or it's just a little harder. I mean, these things always come to fruition. They always come around. It's a small business. People talk. There's two degrees of separation between all of us. I want to go back to what you just said, though. The business is always evolving. So no matter where you are, I mean, obviously, I'm such a big believer in lifelong learning. But to remind people, because that's a challenge for people who are super established, that suddenly your company is sold. I mean, we're seeing that all the time in mergers and acquisitions. And I, I was at the trusted source. And now... Their direction is changing and how do you adapt with it? it it's, it, we all have to do it and it's, I'm not trying to be glib. I mean, it's hard, but the fact that we all have to be open to it and then, and then kind of learn not to take it personally. I mean, look, when I started in this business, did I ever think I would work at a streaming station? In fact, when I was CBS and I was leaving my, I, my agent, I remember he's agent at the time. He's like, people don't leave CBS to go to streaming. This is like five years ago. I'm like, I think this is the future. I think this is cool. I like this company. It's, I think it's fresh. And I'm so glad I made that decision. And that, and I, I, I had friends back then, like, I don't know, Hannah, who were at these amazing networks, legacy networks, like, this is a risk. I'm like, it is, I, I don't know. I'd like, I'm just going to do it. And now some of my same friends are like, is Cheddar hiring or, or all these networks are starting their own streaming services. And there's okay, so, so now- many, right. Peacock. I mean, you know, CNN plus at the time, mm-hmm. ABC, every CBSN, there's so many networks that now ha- are focusing heavily on their streaming. I was going to say we can add visionary now in front of your divisionary. Never heard that. I'll take it. (laughs) I love. Okay. So one going back to um, adapting to different styles of programming, it didn't even occur to me you hadn't done it before because you are so versatile. Another word I want to throw out there. So I want to ask you how you are aware of your own shifts in energy and tone, et cetera, when you go between almost like toggling between segments that are lifestyle versus news. And to me, that's actually a hallmark of something like the Today Show or any of the morning shows. Very where hard you, to do. you literally go from like interviewing a world leader to talking about car seats. Um, 
we certainly do it all the time on chatter. I mean, within, you know, like a, a 20 minute or 30 out 30 minute news cycle. So are you conscious of that? Am I bringing up a question? You're like, I don't know. I just do it. You know, I had an anchor in Watertown who on top of her scripts used to have a happy face or a sad face. Ah. So she knew which when she knew what the next story was. Perfect. Um, I, I guess I'm just kind of used to it. I am very, I, I do, I credit myself with this and I don't say that often. You know me, I don't credit myself with anything, but I'm very conscious of, okay, this next story or next tease is going to be a downer. It's going to be a very sad story. So I obviously read ahead of my scripts and have a note or have a check mark next to that script for me. To be like the tone is changing. We're going from, I'm making this up. I don't know who Trevor Noah is dating to Hurricane Ian. And then I have to make that mental note, like, okay, now we're talking about fun gossip, whatever's going on. And then, you know, people are dying or people are losing their homes. And I'm very conscious of that. But you know what I think helps with that is when I, because I was a reporter for 20 years in the field. You know, I think that experience is so important. I know a lot of anchors and hosts were phenomenal, but it always, you can always tell when you don't have any field experience. Oh, explain deeper. This is so good. I can, I bring that empathy. I know I've stood in hurricanes before. I've interviewed people who have lost everything. So that always comes to my mind too. With the feature stories, I also realize that sometimes people want to laugh or they want to hear this stuff or, you know, at Cheddar, we have to do so many goofy things that was so out of like TikTok dances. If you told me that five years ago that you're going to be doing TikTok trends on, on TV, I would have it cried. It just, it's so out of my comfort zone, but then you realize people like it because they like the word that we use all the time, authenticity. They want to see that. You know, I get more positive emails when I post something about my gardening than I do about a news story. And it, it, people want to know more about you, relate to you even more. I'm so glad that you brought, you brought it back to the authenticity because that's something that kept coming up. But you also just pointed out that you show up for the audience. You have to, you, get, you, you have to, but yourself. it gets, it gets lost in the conversation. It's sad. And I, it, it, that's sad. And that, I think it, it comes with my, for me personally, my field experience. I've been, you know, I've been to soldier funerals. I've covered so many, so many tragedies. I've covered Newtown, Parkland. I mean, I was the breaking news correspondent. So whenever something happened and in the news, it was a lot of bad stuff. I was put on the plane. I was always kind of first on the scene. So I just remember all these images and these stories that I heard from people. And I always keep that in mind, even now at the desk. Mm, I love that. Oh, you know, one fun thing is, can you explain to us again, TV is not like it is on TV, you know, the difference, and you kind of touched on it, the different energy and preparation that goes into what it's like to be in the field or even shooting on location, which may not be the quote unquote field. Like mm -hmm. if you're at the stock exchange, because sure. there you're at least in a controlled environment, which is different than being on a street, which you cannot right. control, which is different than being in the studio, which is an entirely controlled environment. Um, it's, you know, on the street, people can yell things at you or throw things at you. How many times have we seen these poor reporters who, you know, somebody stops, you know, stops in the middle of their live shot or waves or something worse. You just have to be really How do you aware. focus through that? Um, it's hard. You focus on the story. And most of the time you really do form a bond with your photographer and producer in the field. I, it, you're, it, I've always felt that team energy, that team spirit. So I think you just really look out for each other and you have to be aware. Now, when I, I'm at the desk more often now, when I go into the field, it's so exciting for me. I forget how much I miss it for that 
reason because you never know what's going to happen. And for many of us, the reason we're in news or in television or doing what we're doing is because we want something different every day. So it's kind of nice to be in the fields like, what's going to happen? You know, is I covered the Trump campaign very, very closely. I followed Trump for a while. And that was exciting for me. Like, when's he coming out? You kind of felt, whether you like him or not, you felt the energy. And there's something about being in the crowd with everyone else, not only feeling the energy, but being able to tell the story firsthand. How do you learn to do live? Time time. I mean, if, if I look at my first stuff from Watertown, it was terrible. Like I remember I crying after my third live shot because I was so horrible, but I've learned just keep going, right? You just have to get up and keep going. And what I did is I was very self-conscious about my look as well, but really my voice that keeps coming up. So I just started watching reporters and anchors from around the country that I loved. I, I don't want to say I copied them, but I definitely try to emulate them. I'm like, this is how she enunciate. Or did you see how he he's, you know, he really focused on this word. So I think that it just takes time. And there's so, sometimes when I look at a show from last week, I'm like, I could have hit that better or that could have been delivered better. Or, you know, maybe I shouldn't have smiled that much. I, I still do that now. It's, you know, it's you're never perfect. Well, I always liken that. It's, you're no different than an athlete watching game tape. It's the exact yeah. same thing. And, yeah, we, I and, believe we, that. and we learn from it all the time. And, and you have we, to. And I don't want to stop learning. Have, I know. And you have to adapt to every situation. Right. That's the other thing that it's not a one size fits all. So that's what I was kind of driving at is that, you know, you totally know how to do a story, but when you're, you know, on location or, you know, it's a remote or even the difference between doing a zoom versus having someone in the studio, there are all these nuanced ways that we like adapt and change for that. The Zoom is still a little tough for me because I love feeling an interview's energy or saying hi and shaking their hand before they come in to make sure they're not nervous. So we're still adjusting to that. You are too, because I know you're working a lot on Zoom too. I know. I still love the Zoom. I mean, because really? I tell people all over the world. I, I oh, that's true. You get so many. Yeah. You get access to so many more people. So it's fantastic. But I do know what you mean because there is, uh, it's just such a change in, in energy. And so you have to decide what that energy is. And I just love, because I was like, oh, are you really shaking hands? Do, oh, wait, fun fact, Henna, I think you are the last person I hugged in person Aww. in March of 2020. I don't remember if you remember that, but like you, we, you came to my office and we hugged and we joked about it because it was like, we knew we were kind of living on the internet. That is, um, I, I treasure that. That's very special. That just flooded into my consciousness. Oh, I love that. I want to go back to what you just said about personality, because that comes up too, where it's such a common thing. And I respect that. It's like, I want to show more of my personality. So one, you have to define your personality to show more right. of it. So how was that process for you? And what do you, you know, what was that like between this is news anchor, Hannah, and now this is more of me? What did that mean to you? I, I think the format of news is just changing all of us to become a real journalist I'm going to use the word journalist you we have to you know we mentioned those you know the anchors and reporters on the today show you kind of have to know how to do it all that's what makes you a better journalist because you can relate to every viewer whether it's me gardening or do a tiktok trend or talking about hurricane ian I want to be able to relate to every viewer and how do we relate to every viewer you don't forget about them. <laughs> well, that's that's a, actually a great point. My thing was it's, you're tapping into our common humanity. That's e even more articulate. Yes, that's exactly. You can't forget, you know, and it's, it's easy. It is easy to forget that people are watching when it's just you in a studio and with a camera in front of you. But I never it forget. It is really hard. That's it's another really thing to remind, 
Yeah, I think this, the hardest thing is like ever, in my opinion, is doing a satellite media tour when you're sitting like in a black box with for an hours on end. Yeah. And then having the same conversation over and over again with different people. Yeah. I always, I keep that in mind too. Whenever there's a press junket and we're interviewing a celebrity, I, I know that, you know what, this is probably his 20th interview and he's probably over this. And I'm a little, I, I always introduce myself before the interview. I always do these little steps to make them more at ease and maybe not so, not make it so tedious for them. That's such a great tip because it is about constantly shifting the energy. And that's something that that's within all of our control all the time is to step and check into that. It's like, you know, where do I want the energy to be and how can I re-energize, you know, a situation? How easy is it to be like, oh, hey, Chris Evans. I, that's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm still fangirling from that interview. But like, Chris, hi, I'm Hannah Dobe. I just want to say hi before we started. And those little, like, oh, hey, Hannah. You know, those little things do matter to these people. And again, it's Chris Evans. He's done everything. It's Chris Evans. But I could even tell, like, you know, you see it in their faces. Like, oh, sometimes they're on their computer. They're on their phone. They're not even paying attention. Like, oh, Hannah, hi. And I thought, you know, it's those little, little things that go such a long way. That's so true. The other thing you said that I think is a great point that you you picked up from studying other anchors and other communicators is how we convey and how we how, how we communicate and how we are more conversational a lot of times shows up in where we take a pause, where we put emphasis on a word. Does that sound like I'm people. speaking or does it sound like I'm reading? Right. And you don't want to copy people. You make it your own. Like this person's really good at that. How do I, how do I get good at that? And then you, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. For me, it is talking fast. It's, I have to learn how to slow down and I 20 years in and I still struggle with that. So there's always things that are never going to go away, but you just have to stay conscious of it. True. But you also just said something important is that we all have different vocal patterns, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the ways you can learn is just by recording yourself talking. I mean, not being self-conscious about it, just, and then, oh, that's what I sound like when I'm just talking, right? So, right. and like, let me play to my version of that instead of trying to sound like somebody else, which by the way, just sidebar becomes a tricky thing when somebody else is writing for you. Yes. Um, that's why I always look at my scripts, you know, when you have a good producer and you work together for a few weeks, both of you learn, like, hopefully a producer will learn how you talk. And for me, I like short declarative sentences. I like to punch certain words when there's a new producer, I'll always work with them or always look at the scripts. There's some anchors. I don't know how they do it. They don't look at scripts and they just go on TV and that, and sometimes they're fabulous. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Personally, I need to look at every script. I want to look at the sentence and I know like, okay, focus on that word, emphasize this word, punch this word, not this word. You know, there's um, there's a lot of tricks to this. That's tricks. Just to me, it's technique that is basic, right? Right. It's like, and you know, from the, the coaching or teaching side, it's just, how do you break down a script? How do you break down a script and, you know, tone, everything's about tone and delivery, tone and delivery. And that's even when I'm having a conversation with you, I can say a sentence to you five different ways and it can come across five different ways. It's like text messaging. So you want to make sure the messaging is clear. Okay. That was so beautifully said. (laughs) I want to go back, you know, a a version of that too, then is how do you handle breaking news or the notion of the cold read when something happens and you haven't had a chance to read ahead? That's when I just describe the scene. I don't act like I know something that you don't because the only difference between me and you as a viewer is I'm on the scene and my tip or what I learned is like, okay, this, and this was, you know, this is when local news training really comes in handy. Like, okay, 
police, I don't mean to, but these were my breaking news stories. Like police are on the scene. You see tape is up. They're telling us we're going to, there's a press conference in a few hours. That's when you just describe the scene. Don't act like you know anything. Don't, we talk about fake news a lot. Make sure everything is confirmed. Even if you think, or you heard that this may be the case, don't say it on TV. And I, I mean, there's how many times have you heard reports? It's like, we're still getting information. This is what we know. That was my fall line. It always was like, uh, details are still trickling trickling in. And this is my the way I talk to. Here is what we know now. Or here's what I want you to know. Or here's what police want you to know. And then you just focus on even if it's one fact or two things that were confirmed, that's what you go with. And just describe what's around you. Because remember, the viewer is not with you. They're just watching you, looking at the story unfold, whether it's in their neighborhood, in their city, in their state, whatever it is. What's so incredibly valuable from a communication standpoint about what you just said is that you're a guide in this moment. And you just told me what I need to pay attention to. And right. I love that because so now this is helpful for me, even in my own coaching, because that's what you're telling me is that's a hallmark of breaking news. I encourage people even in feature stories or delivering a keynote or, you know, when they're coming on cheddar to do a segment about, you know, their product is to use that kind of language. So right. they're directing me to what I need to pay attention to. What's really important about this product what we love about it so much, one of the best features of this thing. Especially these days, people don't want their time wasted. Well, also, you're 100% right. But um, statistically, I think there's like 3,000, 6,000. There are thousands of messages bombarding us all day long, unprecedented in history. From the time and, you wake up to the time you go to bed. Right. Um, something I've learned along the way in studying marketing was, one, if you confuse, you lose. And two... Direct always wins goes back to what you're saying. You like direct, short, specific. I can't remember how you said it. Sentences that, you know, get to the point because clever is not helpful anymore. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. It's, a, it's a nice thing, but sometimes work so hard to be clever and then we lose the thread. And I can think about commercials that are really clever, but I don't know what the product was. How many times did that happen still? So it's like, this is what you need to pay attention to. This is what's important about the story. Another one, if you really don't know what you're talking about, which can happen when you're thrown into something, of course. this is what I'm curious about. Well, I think what's important to know for all of us to remember, um, we're not the star, <laughs> right? We're, this is not about me being on TV with a mic in my hand. The story or these people that I'm telling the story about, it's the focus is on them. So I think that's, and that still gets lost. And I know you see it with all the time, I'm sure, where, you know, some people think this is about me and eyes are on me, but. It's, it's not, this isn't, you know, you do a good job when you take the eyes off you and the focus is on the story you're telling. Magic words. Oh, thank you. This is a masterclass. What other, you know, fonts of wisdom do you want to throw our way? But what didn't I ask you about? You're just a good interviewer. You're just a good interview. You bring it naturally out of me. So Hannah, you know, something I want to ask you about that I talk about a lot is stamina. Because I don't think people realize how much energy and stamina it takes to do your job. And the different emotions you go through or through every show, right? Um, there are days I've anchored five hours straight when you're in the field as a reporter um, on location, especially when you're covering breaking news. The hurricane, you know, I'm watching all these wonderful reporters covering Hurricane Ian. They're not just standing in the rain or in these elements for your live shot. They're there all day collecting the producers. There's teams out there that are collecting the information. It's not just like, you know, I'm going on TV, my hit's over, here's the mic, I'm done. It's not like that at all. This isn't all day sometimes as you know 60 minutes is a great example 
you work all year or six months on a story nonstop. You just have to be focused and passionate about it. And if you're not, then you're not going to like this job. We've seen so many people, Barbara, you and I both burn out very quickly. This business has that ability. And I understand it. I have so many friends, like I can't cover another tragedy anymore. Or you know what? I want to start a family. Like I, I want to be home. I can't make it for the six o'clock live shot and do the 3am live shot, you know? And sometimes that that's just the business sometimes. So stamina is just part of it. You just have to accept it. And especially local news and, you know, Cheddar, we're kind of lucky because we go by the New York Stock Exchange schedule, but I never had Christmas off until I came to Cheddar. Never. Like that wasn't even a thing. Are you coming home for Christmas? No, I work. Or, you know, I was weekend anchors. I A weekend anchor. I didn't have weekends off for four years. And that was just me climbing the ladder. Now I'm just like, well, what were you thinking? But I'm like, no, I was so happy to be there and be a weekend anchor. And I'm like, I don't need my weekends. It's fine. Or I'll do the 4 a.m. show every day for five years. These are the things you just have to accept. You're not going to walk into primetime show or, do you know, walk into the Today Show and and that's it. I mean, these people have worked really hard to get to where they are. So how do you maintain your energy during the day? Because here's the thing I want to point out for anybody who isn't aware. And this goes back to what you're saying. It's like doing a, you know, a show for five hours. Okay, when you're on the air for five hours, you can't zone out. So most of us yeah. in our behind the scenes desk jobs, we doodle, we check our social media, we, we zone out in the meeting. I mean, it's just honest. And so what I'm getting at is being present is exhausting or can't be, right? And then being present, having to talk and formulate ideas, et cetera. So I was just curious about for you, ways that you've learned to um, maintain energy or understand the dips and, you know, highs and lows and the valleys of your day, et cetera, et cetera. Food, um, <laughs> food place. Like I need to have some, especially when I know I can't get up for five hours, whether that's doing five hours of shows or there's, you know, breaking news that you have to stay on the desk for. But I think that's when, you know, it's not just me, the whole, what I love about our business is there's a team, there's a photographer over there, there's a production assistant over here, there's a producer in my ear, there's a director. So I think knowing that we're all in this together also keeps me going. Because if I'm doing it, they're doing it too. They're there. They might not be getting the credit because they're not the ones on TV, but that always makes me feel better. Or a producer will say to my ear, like, how are you holding up? You know, th those little things, actually, that team effort goes such a long way. And I always think, I've always had, like, this is us. Like, thank you so much for joining us. I never say me or, like, it's always, or, you know, the, the team and I have been thinking, I, that's how I always pose everything. Because there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people <laughs> that go into this. So I think that's what keeps me going. Oh, that's beautifully said. And so I and also I'm hearing it's, it brings snacks. Yeah, I bring a lot of snacks. Cheddar is very good about snacks. Actually, this newsroom is the best newsroom for snacks. Um, it's also why I can't lose my last five pounds, but I digress. That's a whole other issue. But um, yeah, no, it's important. I get and I'm, I'm I get hangry, Barbara. I didn't realize that about myself. I get hangry. I get irritable, and like I need to eat. It's gotten to the point where, like, you know that commercial, like you need a Snickers bar. My producer's like, "Can I get you something to eat? Like, are you okay?" So I think for, for me personally, I now know. I'm old enough to know that I. I get hangry and I need to eat. Oh, I love it. Hannah, you are such a gift. Now, where can everyone find you? On Cheddar. Um, you can always go on my Instagram page and my TikTok page. And are you Hannah Doba? Hannah, sorry. Yes. Hannah Doba for both. Hannah Doba across all my social media platforms. Fantastic. I hope you'll come back. I would love to come back. This was so fun. It's honestly like talking to my friend, which I love, which you are my <laughs> friend. Maybe that's why this was so much easier. Gosh, you were just dropping a tiara full of gems. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you.
And I want to say and thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you are interested in coaching for you or your team, please drop me a line and be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And if you haven't subscribed, please do. Thank you. Thank you.